I'll have clients who's who say, I remember feeling like this myself, who say, well, I just want to, you know, I'll figure out what I need and then I'm going to have like a checklist and then I'm just going to check those things off every day and that'll be great. And I'll just know what I need, check it off and move on. And we're very dismayed to learn that they need something new every day. How dare I need something new every day? But, you know, again, with time, you see, it's not actually that I need something wholly new every day. There's patterns and you kind of notice, okay, this is how I feel during this season, or this is how I feel. It's like my in-laws are coming to stay with me and that brings up this kind of thing for me. I'm going to need that in response. You know, there start to be these patterns that emerge. And also you have now the more data that you gather about yourself over the course of your life, the better equipped you are to take care of yourself. Hi. This week on the podcast, I speak with the wonderful Mara Glatzel. Mara is an intuitive coach, a writer, and a podcast who helps humans stop abandoning themselves and start reclaiming their humanity through embracing their needs and honoring their natural energy rhythms. Her superpower is saying what you need to hear when you need to hear it, and she's here to help you believe in yourself as much as she believes in you. Mara is also my very first ever repeat guest, which is kind of fun. And it was so lovely to reconnect with her and chat with her about what this period of time is like for her before her first book is published. It's out in February, all over the world, and it's called Needy. I have started reading this book and it is, it's utterly, utterly beautiful. And I feel like it'll be a book that I give to people for a long, long time. If you pre-order um, the book <clears throat> before it's published, you can get all sorts of like really cool goodies. There's meditations that Mara has put together. And if you buy three, I think you get to sit on a, um, a group with her, which will be wonderful. So I'll leave all the links in the show notes, but do pre-order this book. It is absolutely magic and such a gift to the world. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I have my first ever repeat guest, Mara Glatzel. So welcome, Mara. It's so nice to have you back and to see your face. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. I feel so honored to be the first repeat guest. <laughs> well, thank you. So Mara and I wanted to chat a bit about her upcoming book, Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty, which is out on the 28th of February. And so Mara, how are you? How's everything going with prep? It's good. I, you know, it's so interesting. And I, this is something that I teach all the time that when we want to put our needs aside the most is when we really need to have them met the most. So, you know, anytime that's really acutely, I won't even say stressful, but just busy. Those are times where my old self would very much just like batten down the hatches and say like, okay, you know, you don't get to be a human here. You can be a human on the other side of this thing. Even with the book, my, my children have February vacation the week before the book comes out, which is not really convenient, but totally human and fine. And my partner was like, oh, well, we could do something. We could do this. We could do that. And I was like, I can't do anything that week. Are you kidding me? I have to be like 
on. I have to be on. I have to be paying attention. And my partner was like, paying attention to what? Like, what are you, you know, what are you going to be actually doing that week? And I'm like, I don't know, to be totally honest. And it was so funny because I step back from it for a few minutes and it's like that is not in the spirit of this book at all <laughs> to be bringing it into the world in that kind of way and also it's not necessary you know I have plenty of time to plan so that I have some flexibility during that week but it's funny how we do that to ourselves right we get so over um so you know high strung about vigilant about what needs to be done and our needs are never on that list which is a fast track to burnout and I do know that it's I relate so strongly to that feeling it's like it's almost a stance rather than an action it's like I'm here just waiting because something and I need to be ready for all eventualities but yeah, it is so human. I think also to want to clear a bit of space around a bit, like a big upcoming thing. And I think it's the perfect way to intro needy in the sense of that human cycle of mm -hmm. going through that and going, oh, it's all still there. I just have better ways of working through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's a pattern and it's a pattern that I am so personally familiar with and it's amazing how if you are a person for whom that pattern exists, you will find anything to put your needs on the other side of. Mm. And that's why, you know, people will say, well, this thing, this really, you know, I do really have to focus on this or this is a time where my needs come second. And yeah, absolutely. There are some times like that that exist. But when that is a pattern for you, even after that thing resolves itself, you'll find something else. And that's always what I'm curious about. And I mean, curious because that rings true to me. Absolutely. I was always putting my needs and my wants and my care on the other side of just finishing that next thing. Mm. It's, do you ever look back on that journey, that sort of journey into rest and journey into cycles and journey into looking after your needs and feel, I don't know, like, what do you feel looking back over that? I think for a long time, I felt grief because there was just so much that I didn't allow myself to feel. And, you know, re regret around this belief, too, with that, that, you know, one of the reasons I was putting my needs so far on the outside, on the other side of that thing is because I also really believed that it needed to be perfect in order to be worthwhile. Oof. And this, this feeling, this felt sense, which is so true and so human that this thing won't mitigate the, the full ache. And so it's not worth my time, but we don't take care of ourselves. It's like one act of self care is not going to quench everything that you want and need. Mm -hmm. And you know, especially during the stress and uncertainty of the last couple of years through the, you know, the pandemic up until now and with young children and, you know, it has been acutely stressful and resources have been thin time, mm -hmm. energy, attention. Yeah. And so that feeling of like, oh, well, it's not worth using my resources on if it's not going to 
fix me or make me better. But no one thing makes you better. You know, it's like kind of chipping off every day, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But I think if you don't fully believe in that, then it can feel as though you're just wasting your energy on something that doesn't make you feel better. Do you think that's sometimes why people also have that, um, you know, there's almost like self-care rage at the moment around, and, and I get it, I get like, and also there's this other part of like, I get why people rebel against like the candlelit bath. Mm-hmm. And also I wonder about, I wonder about that. Cause I think like, what is rage? Like in the face of, it's like in the face of other really big uncomfortable feelings or that the need is too overwhelming. And so people mm-hmm. just go, Oh, this is like, this is silly or this is ridiculous. Or I don't have time for that. And obviously it doesn't have to be the candlelit bath. And there's like so much mm-hmm. ways to, nourish ourselves but also maybe it is just that and I wonder about the rage of that for people like why why do people like find this so so hard and so so tender even sometimes to witness in other people Hmm. yeah I'll say for me that I took I was a, a hyper responsible kid I, you know, have been taking care of myself in a lot of ways for a very long time, um, which isn't to say that, you know, I didn't, I had a family, I had a, but it, it was both my personality structure and whatever was going on in my home through my upbringing. Like I really felt responsible for myself in a lot of ways, responsible for my sisters and, you know, responsible. And so for me, when I, and <laughs> I remember when I was uh, in third grade, I had to get glasses and I also got contacts and they taught me how to take the contacts in and put the, you know, take them in, put them out and everything. And I remember waking up one morning and thinking, I have to put these contacts in in the morning and take them out at night every single day for the rest of my life and just felt as much rage as a little third grader can feel like so frustrated that I was just so hampered by my own care. And I think that's relatable. I think I work with a lot of adults who feel that way. It's like, I don't want it to be me, even as I know that it is. And you know how genuinely exhausting it is (laughs) to be a human being. I mean, I think this is the piece where I was like, yes, it is, you know, it, It feels like it shouldn't be this way. It feels like, you know, you do a good job and you earn your keep somehow by putting all the pieces together and then somebody's going to take care of it for you. And to have it not be the case is heart-wrenching and also true. Um, And so I think we have to have compassion for ourselves. But I think that this piece that we were talking about before is a really big part of it, which is like, I did the thing. Why don't I feel better? I'm not going to waste my time doing things that don't feel better when we don't realize that things don't, it doesn't come together right away. You know, I don't know. I am the first grade basketball coach for my daughters in first grade and I love basketball. I played it all the way through my childhood into high school and she is having a really hard time because she's not good at basketball yet. 
She doesn't really know the rules. She can't really play. She can just kind of practice different skills over here, but it hasn't all come together yet where she can really feel like, oh, some kind of um, mastery over the game. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a piece of it with self-care too. It's like we're practicing over here, we're practicing over there. We're not really experience it like it hasn't all come together yet and we're afraid that it never will so why bother but on the other side of that is you taking responsibility for yourself and realizing how good it feels to be able to depend on you mm-hmm. and also have your own back and rebuild that trust and genuinely feel better cared for oh i think it's such an important thing that that you may not know in this particular point of, of your life that this is what it's for. You might not have concrete kind of evidence that like we're obsessed with evidence of like, what is mm-hmm. the meaning? What do, what do I get? Like, is it that sort of transaction? And that, yeah, what if you don't get to see that thread clearly all the time, but that's in a few years or a few months or even a few weeks, like more of it will make sense or more of it mm-hmm. you go like, oh, okay. I see this even like in shadows or whispers in the beginning. And then it makes so much more sense later on. I was thinking, I, I remember at the beginning of my therapy and in my twenties, um, I remember talking to my therapist about it was kind of a, like, <laughs> yeah, like now I look back and with some tenderness and some like, Oh, <laughs> you know, that, that was a small thing, but at the time it just felt so huge. And I was talking to her about, my in-laws had come to the first house we'd ever bought and they'd like pulled out this rosemary bush where like they didn't ask us and they just pulled it out because it was probably going to come out when we did work and I was just like enraged by it and I remember her saying like what if you said something or what if you asked them like not to do any things around the house like without checking and I remember just feeling like what (laughs) that's a thing like you just get to say out loud what you need and then people do or don't respond and then thinking back like years and years later to like oh okay like these tiny little pieces or these tiny little demarcating of boundaries that happens that yeah we don't see the thread until much later on and how do you hold that journey like what do you say to somebody who's at the beginning of that or in you know just like becoming aware of it what do you say to them around (laughs) holding on It's a little bit of tough love, I think, (laughs) Um, because, you know, the truth is that we are conditioned to believe that we are going to do a thing, get to a place and experience resolution on whatever that thing is. And it's true being in relationship with yourself. There are different milestones and there's different skills that you're going to learn. And there are kind of you're like, oh, wow, I can do this thing that I, I didn't wasn't able to do before. That's really cool. I'm noticing, you know. I'm more regulated. My kids lost their minds and I didn't also lose my mind. Um, I was able to ask for what I needed, even though I felt scared. I was able to meet that need even when somebody else said no, you know, all of those kinds of things. But we're in relationship with ourselves over the course of our lives. And it's a facet of that kind of toxic productivity culture, which of course is religious capitalism and that we what we're conditioned to want is a quick fix Mm. so that we can get on to the next thing Mm. and being in relationship with yourself and being in relationship with your needs is infinitely 
wonderful and supportive and life-changing, but it's not a quick thing. It is not, you know, I'll have clients who's, <laughs> who say, I remember feeling like this myself, who say, well, I just want to, you know, I'll figure out what I need and then I'm going to have like a checklist and then I'm just going to check those things off every day and that'll be great. And I'll just know what I need, check it off and move on. And we're very dismayed to learn that they need something new every day. How dare I need something new every day? But, you know, again, with time, you see, it's not actually that I need something wholly new every day. There's patterns and you kind of notice, okay, this is how I feel during this season or this is how I feel. It's like my in-laws are coming to stay with me and that brings up this kind of thing for me. I'm going to need that in response. You know, there start to be these patterns that emerge. And also you have now the more data that you gather about yourself over the course of your life, the better equipped you are to take care of yourself. Because, you know, you know, this is what I like to eat when I feel this way. This is what I you know, this is what has helped in the past. This is what I want from other people. And the more data that we have, these conversations are less sort of like sticky. I feel like when you're first doing this work, it's all like very, there's so much labor involved in every single part. They become so much more fluid. And so first I would say that tough love bit that this is a lifelong, this is a lifelong journey and conversation that you're having with yourself. There really is no fast track for that. And also, it can be so heartening to notice, like, hey, I did that. I wasn't able to do that before. Or, huh, you know, my partner said something that was really triggering for me, and I remained in my body instead of, you know, just (laughs) flying through the roof um, and was able to say, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed or a lot of feelings about that, and I'm going to need to circle back to it later whatever, the greater sense of maneuverability inside of ourselves, like notice all of those small things. Notice all of those small things so that you can celebrate yourself and honor the fact that things are changing. Because I think that's what's really disheartening is when we re- we find ourselves again in some kind of uh, very familiar pattern and we tell ourselves like, hey, I haven't changed at all. I'm still the same old Mara, you know, freaking out about whatever. But when you really look at it, it's rarely true. You're bringing everything that you've learned up until that point, that moment. You have, even if it's just the tiniest bit, more skill, better grasp, more groundedness. Uh, The more that you can train yourself to notice those moments, the more you're going to be able to see your growth and the more you're going to want to keep growing. Okay. So to hang on that the dance is always there but the experience is what shifts like I like what you said about the stickiness it's not so oh I feel that feeling like remember that time is like in my throat it's like the slug of it and that the mm-hmm. is less but the thing is still there <laughs> like you say I don't know I feel that's also anchoring in the sense of it's not just like like a makeover like that's just not a grim you know it's an internal being with yourself rather than like remaking yourself yeah yeah Yeah. well you know and I think that so many of us if we're really honest like we we wouldn't want to be stuck with ourselves 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always think about for myself, it's like, you know, sometimes being having alone time with myself feels like being picked last for dodgeball or something. It's like, no, not her. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> I, anything else. Anyone else. Which is heartbreaking. You know, this is part of the reason we're so we're so conditioned to want more, want different, want, you know, a different kind of body, want a different kind of life, want a different skill set. And I think the sooner that we can get on board with the fact that we are who we are and we're never going to be anyone else and this is it and sure we can learn skills and you know some things are are within our realm of ability to change but you're never going to f- you know fundamentally be a different person yeah. yeah and so instead of picking yourself last getting to know yourself and enjoying being with yourself and that takes time you know that takes similarly it takes time with other people too right we expect these relationships with ourselves to be these kind of flash in the pan things but it takes time to build trust with other people we don't just say like oh hey nice to meet you here's the keys to my house or (laughs) that's so true that's so true and we've had a lot more time with ourselves so imagine yes Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about ugly needs? I love that you, yeah, that you speak about that. Could you talk about what it, like, what you mean when you say ugly needs and yeah, how to meet those in kind of generous ways? Yeah. So (laughs) there comes a time in every conversation about needs where we think like, oh yes, you know, self-care, it looks lovely, right? Um, And I think this is the reason why we have a lot of rage about self-care, because it doesn't satisfy what we need Mm -hmm. in large part. And that's because it doesn't really recognize what we need. It's like more about providing these restful moments away from our lives versus, you know, working with and on our lives so that they are constructed in such a way that they allow for our needs to be at the center of them and they allow for us to feel not just satisfied, but like it's really enriching our lives to have those needs met. It's a real kind of safety net for that we're creating for ourselves. And, in, you know, ugly needs are, are the needs that you don't want to meet. They're the needs you don't want to have. The needs you just like, I want to have needs that are like that person, or I want to need something prettier or easier or less complicated. They're needs that are inconvenient. They come up at inconvenient times and, you know, truthfully, no need is ugly, but we do experience them this way. This, like, I am aware on some level that this need is a drain. It's a drain on me. It's a drain on other people. I'm not really sure how to meet it. It's all coming out sideways. And you see this a lot of times in, you know, relationships between people of all kinds where, my attachment style means that I want to be seen as worthy and I want to feel loved in this specific way. And your attachment style may be totally different and you want to feel that in a completely different way. And so, you know, how we go about having those conversations, because sometimes what happens is this can, I think in the book, I tell a story about this uh, mother that I worked with who uh, was having a really hard time with her adult child uh, because she really wanted 
her adult child to love her in this really specific way. And that's what made her feel loved. And the adult child was trying to like do this work and learn how to set boundaries. And the mom felt like, well, if you're not doing everything that I say, and you're not listening to me, and you're being disrespectful, then you don't love me. And both people in that relationship were trying to create a relationship that was possible for them to exist in Mm -hmm. and to thrive in. And also, you know, had that visceral experience of I'm asking for what I need and I know you don't want to give it to me. Mm. And I think there can be, as we are bringing our needs into the center of our lives and kind of reconfiguring ourselves to come into alignment with that. Because usually it's like the needs are way at the side and bringing them into the center is a very different way of living. There can be some relationship renegotiation and it can be, you know, as I said, clunky and crunchy at first where, you know, I'm saying I need this thing. You're taking it really personally. You're saying you need this thing. I'm taking it really personally. Um, Now we all think that we shouldn't need what we need and we're pissed. And so, you know, having patience for that process and knowing that ultimately like you can be uncomfortable yeah. And it can be okay. Yeah. You know, I think for so long for me, so many of my needs weren't met because I was trying to make everyone else comfortable around me. And so I was making myself deeply uncomfortable in order to um, ensure somebody else's comfort, which I preferred, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> I wanted to keep doing, oh. but it wasn't, it wasn't working and it also wasn't honest. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't allow for other people to have an honest experience with me. And um, because of that, I felt really alone, of course, because I was alone, right? Um, I wasn't allowing my real self into the relationship. I was making it my job to minimize that discomfort everywhere that it was. And I wasn't even conscious of feeling uncomfortable myself. That was like how far away my needs were. And so when I stopped doing that then the discomfort is just right there and you're allowing other people to tolerate their own discomfort. You're, you're respecting and trusting them Mm -hmm. enough to be uncomfortable and people do all kinds of things when they're uncomfortable and that's often not pretty and that's okay too. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so having this tolerance of, it's not like you're going to be able to go from not having your needs met, to having your needs met without any kind of like, you know, shenanigans in there is, is an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. <laughs> what is the, so what is the body piece in that? Cause I'm just thinking like in terms of our nervous systems, the discomfort, but like it's for a reason. So like you would have mm-hmm. done that. And many of us do that for mm-hmm. like for really good reason. That yeah, Absolutely were not resourced enough to do it any other way and so now that we're adults like we have other choices and all of that but I guess our bodies are still saying ah it's too dangerous like do not do this what do you yeah what do you do with that how do you think of so sometimes it is too dangerous yeah and you don't do it So, you know when you're starting to have these more vulnerable conversations you might experiment with people that you already have a lot of trust with. 
that you feel more comfortable with, generally speaking, versus going straight to the person who you are afraid to set boundaries with the most, for example. You don't have to go straight there. Um, You can build your skill, build your confidence in places that feel more comfortable. And sometimes I am conscious of the fact that, you know, my nervous system is putting the, the halt on whatever the operation is. And that's because it's too much. It's flooding me completely. And I think this is the most important thing to know is that you, this is about you being in relationship with yourself and you are the expert to your own experience. So if you are feeling genuinely like this is too much for me or this is too much for me right now, that's good data. You know, lean into that. And also you are the only one who's going to know not that it's a cop out, but you're the only one who's going to know it's like I'm hiding out in this where I, I genuinely want something more, but I'm I'm afraid and maybe I need support or maybe I need extra resource. Maybe I need something else, but I am ready to do it. And I think that differentiation can be so slight, which is why we have to practice being in relationship with ourselves and genuinely getting curious like, hey, Mara, is this way too much? Or is there a way that you can do this? But I think with discomfort, genuinely speaking, I was raised, I was conditioned to believe that the presence of discomfort meant something was wrong. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody's uncomfortable, that means like stop what you're doing immediately, go back to the beginning, like take another class, learn some more things, listen to more podcasts, figure it out, talk to all your friends about it again. Um, You know, you are not ready to take the next step. And that is so untrue. You can be uncomfortable and ready. You can be uncomfortable and do the thing. You can be uncomfortable. And these days I talk, myself because it feels like it like it's not going to kill you to be uncomfortable sometimes it genuinely i'm like i my my trauma response is such that my body wants to be like this is this is so bad you shouldn't have said it you should take it back move back you know restart hide out like retreat and i try to do work with myself around that in what do I need when I'm uncomfortable versus making the discomfort mean I should just like radically change whatever decision I was trying to make instead get curious about what I, what my discomfort needs from me. Mm -hmm. It's like, do I need to be cozy? I mean, you know, how much more would we all feel capable of if we had this like nest of a lap to lay down in and weep and wail and stomp and then say like, okay, I'm ready. You know, my kids do that all the time, right? And I try to be that for myself as often as possible. Usually there's grounding foods involved or like a shower. You know, I start pulling out tools for what feels comforting, what feels soothing when I'm in that place versus walk back, whatever it is that, you know, is usually a really good boundary that I've set or a step forward that I've taken. I mean, I've done that thing because I really wanted it. And then afterwards I feel uncomfortable. And how can I tend to that discomfort versus go back and, you know, take, take it back. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's the piece of also just experimenting in the beginning of like, okay, what do we need in this situation? Like what Mm -hmm. do, yeah. What does your body need? Like what's, how are you tending to yourself at those moments? 
I love that instead of not just taking it back. And for me, there's like, that's the community and the support piece as well. in that section of like, in the beginning, you may need someone to bounce this off and not in a stalling way, but in an actual, like, okay, like where, where are the edges of your discomfort? What are the kind of flexible, malleable bits and what are the, like the hard no's for you? And you, you don't know that until you get closer to them, I guess. That's, ugh, is the icky. Well, and it's also a moving target. Yeah. Right. You know, I have hard nose. Well, I'll just say this for many, many, many years, I had the deep desire to write a book and the visibility of it was a hard no for me. It was too much to even, you know, I wanted it. I wanted it. But when I would get close to it, I would find myself sabotaging in a myriad of ways. And really it was the visibility piece of like, if I put all of these words into a book and I give that book to somebody else. And that person who's reading that book, which is a proxy of me in their house without me present. And I can't micromanage their experience of me or be cute and delightful or, you know, eat up all of the discomfort or make it okay for them or, you know, defend myself, then I might die. Yeah. And that sounds dramatic, but that's, you know, that's how the, that's how the nervous system is encoded. It's like, I might actually die if that happens. And I will say that I am noticing right now as, you know, we lead up to Needy coming out that I experience waves of that. I experience moments of that where before it was a total gridlock. And so for me, I mean, I I don't, can't say I have much choice in the matter. The gridlock was such that it was like, the book is not being written. So there's that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is possible. It is tolerable, even if just barely. Mm-hmm. And my question to myself during this time is, first of all, noticing, wow, okay, that there is a, like an opening where before it was closed. And knowing that before it was closed for all of these reasons, I'm going to be really careful and kind to myself during this time, making sure I have as much resource and support as possible because, you know, there are, there's an underpinning to that kind of visibility that is very scary for me on so many levels. And I think that's the piece too. It's like, you don't go from being a hell no to a hell yes or whatever it is. (laughs) say it's like this or the other for me it's more like there's some kind of dividing line in the middle and if I'm even just like a pinky toe over into the like I think I'm gonna um I'm going to but that doesn't mean there's not like a whole lot of you that's saying maybe the pinky tail's over pinky toes over but the rest of the body is like still in no um the scale has been tipped but that doesn't mean it's a hell yes. It means it's like a very tentative, okay, I'll try maybe. And that's okay too. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is. It's like, I love the the way you describe it in terms of the motion. I think that's so important to say is like the, the backward and forward and the circling round and it, like, it's not linear and it's never going to be linear. It's just, you know, this like sometimes clawing, sometimes tiptoeing, but the movement and then the practice and repeat of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and knowing what's true for you mm-hmm. and this comes from practice and it comes from listening to the sound of your own voice because, you know, I felt this way. I've been working for myself as an entrepreneur for 11 years and 
I felt this way the whole time. <laughs> I feel this way with the book. It's like, if I could do anything else, I certainly would. Because it is so... You're, you're way out on a ledge. I mean, for my nervous system, that's, it's a lot to contend with. It has required so much, um, relearning and, you know, new patterns, new support practices. It's like so much. If I could have been me and been happy doing something else, I would have done that. But that just wasn't true for me. That wasn't what felt right to me. And so, you know, here I am. And I think, that piece about your own truth is so essential too. And it's hard, especially at the beginning to negotiate what is my truth and what is my conditioning. And, you know, our conditioning is so insidious. Sometimes it's still hard to tell and you kind of, you know, have to rebuild your relationship with yourself in such a way that you are in that conversation with yourself. Like, is this me? Is this somebody else? Whose voice is this? Who's benefiting from me feeling this way about myself? How do I know? Who can I ask for help? Who can I reality test with? Yeah. You know, Brene Brown uh, has this great prompt that says, the story that I'm telling myself right now is, and I use that all the time. The story that I'm telling myself is you didn't return my text message and so you hate me and I'm a terrible human being or, you know, whatever it is. It's like usually one thing that escalates into everything very quickly. And it can be useful with people that you trust to reality test some of those things. Like the story that I'm telling myself is that, you know, I put this book out into the world and it's really somehow personally dangerous for me to be visible in that way. Is that true? And then you can start that real conversation. I mean, no, no, it's not. Anything could happen, but it's going to be, it's going to be what I can tolerate that, whatever it is, Um, even if it's painful. I've done plenty of hard things in my life. And so having that narrative around the story that I'm telling myself, I find is really uh, a useful exploratory tool for that kind of who is talking, whose voice is this, what is going on inside of me? Because it can get confusing. Oh, yeah, just noisy and confusing. Yeah. That alone can be the sign. Too much noise, time to check in. Mm -hmm. So needy, (laughs) which we all need is coming on the 28th of February, so just over a month. Is there anything you want people to know in preparation for that? Yeah. I want you to know that sometimes when we're talking about needs, it can feel like, well, how? Okay, but how? And this book really walks you through that. There's a bunch of practices in it. There's a lot of guidance. There's a lot of support. So some of the practices that I've mentioned over the course of our conversation today, I go into all of those in detail and provide a lot of really flexible structure. It's not a how-to because, as I said, you're, you know, best about yourself, but it's kind of like a (laughs) fill-in-the-blanks adventure. And it's really, I wrote it to be really supportive for people who are having this conversation and also feeling really alone in it and uncertain. 
So if you have felt called during this conversation, I think you will love the book. And if you pre-order it between now and February 28th, I've created a bunch of fun resources for you, including a chapter that you can access immediately, an audio playlist of guided meditations from the book. Each chapter has a blessing. And so there's an audio recording of me reading each of those blessings to you. Yeah. And other fun stuff. There's gonna be a party you'll get an invite to. So if you feel so called, pre-order the book and come hang out with us. How exciting. So pre-orders. Yeah. Hurry. I think get that done. I think those are super important to authors. So yes. Pre-orders are so funny. I did not realize before writing this book. Now I pre-order everybody's books. <laughs> uh, but I didn't realize, you know, it's like, didn't, it was like, oh, well, I'll get it when I get it, you know, whatever. But especially with new writers, it's really a sign to people that, hey, this is a book that I think is important and I, you know, it's important to me and I want to make sure that as many people have access to it as possible. So I appreciate it and you. Well, thank you so, so much for chatting with us again. It was so good to chat with you and good luck for the next few weeks. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. I really appreciated this conversation and I'm just so grateful to you for having me back. I hope you enjoyed that wonderful conversation. Please do order Mara's book, Needy. It makes such a big difference to um, first-time authors because it shows publishers that there's a need for the book and it will be seen by a far greater audience. So please, please, please pre-order it. It is so, so beautiful. All right, chat to you soon. Bye.